From the Ohio News Network, this is Ohio Sports Magazine. Now here's your host, Matt Andrews. Greetings and welcome to this week's Ohio Sports Magazine here on the Ohio News Network. It's about to become officially Michigan week as we get into the week of Thanksgiving. And we had a chance earlier in our week to catch up with former Buckeye head coach Jim Tressel talking about the game in his retirement. What an honor to talk to Coach Jim Tressel. Coach, my first question comes about your rivalry love when it was meant to you what it has grown into today. Was that as an assistant under Earl Bruce, or did that happen in your childhood growing up following the game? How can you how can you explain that? You know, I, I think it all started uh, as I was growing up. My dad was a big Ohio State fan. He actually attended Ohio State and played spring football in spring of 1943. But like most of the men and women at that time, they chose to go serve our nation and serve the world for freedom. And so he never got to complete his time uh, as a Buckeye, but he was always a huge Buckeye fan. He was a great fan of Paul Brown. They were good friends and Woody Hayes. And so we would always watch the game together. And it was always the highlight of our fall because our dad was very busy coaching and and uh it was after his season ended at baldwin wallace that we'd have a weekend together and get to watch that game so i think it started there and then really was heightened as i had the honor of being an assistant coach for earl bruce and taking part in the game and and uh you know then obviously the 10 years we had uh, a chance to uh, to be back in columbus and take part in the greatest rivalry ever and it's the best week of the year. It sure is. And, Coach, of late, especially with everything going on up north, a lot of vitriol, disappointment, disrespect, hate amongst fans. But how do we keep this game in perspective with what these guys will do on the field based on what the past has indicated we should believe? Well, like anything else, you've got to try to avoid distractions. And you've got to always get centered on on, on what's – the game is all about, and the game is about two great universities and two great teams, storied history, always mean a lot. You know, typically it's for the Big Ten championship. Nowadays, as you have playoffs, it's, you know, so many uh, things that uh, this game is all about. And, and so we just can't allow ourselves to be distracted by anything other than uh, what happens in between <clears throat> in between the lines and, and uh We've always had the greatest respect. That was always the hardest game. It was the cleanest game. It was the toughest game. And uh, it was the game that was most fun to play in. Coach Tressel, take us into your college football Hall of Fame coaching mind. When you're watching this game in the early portion of the game, what are a few things you're going to look for on both sides that may give an indication of where this is headed? You know, I think the focus on the task at hand uh, – we really talked often about uh, the game was a series of situations and every play was a situation and your mind needed to be focused on that very moment. And, you know, making sure that we win first downs, making sure that we're winning the turnover margin, making sure that we're winning the special teams, uh, making sure that we're winning the line of scrimmage, Um, you know, and so just seeing that focus on the task at hand not worrying about what the result of the three hours later is going to be, but the focus on what's going on 
in every one of those five, six, seven second wars that uh, that occur on the line of scrimmage. Coach, let me ask you one thing about your introductory press conference, the 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan portion. When did that dawn on you to mention maybe, or had you thought of it, or was it spur of the moment? I know you always know the days remaining, but that was just a very artistic piece of speaking, and and it's always dawned on me to ask, when may that have become reality for you? Well, you know, having grown up in Ohio, and I had spent the prior 15 years as the head coach at Youngstown State, and so I was still right here in the middle of Ohio, in the middle of all the football discussion. And, and uh, you know, it it was obvious to me what's most important to our fans, you know, that, that game. Right. You know, that that's just so key. And I just thought that uh, it was important that not only did I let uh, our fans and Buckeye Nation know that I was very aware of its importance, but I wanted to constantly, uh, on a daily basis, remind our players uh, just how important that game is. It's not just another game. Uh, it, it's it's the most fun that you have all year long. Uh, what's great about it, I have always felt, is it's always the last regular season game. So you have spent all year, you were in the weight room all winter, and you're in the spring practice field, and then you're back in the weight room, and then you're in preseason, then you're in the pre-conference games, then you're in the heart of the conference but you needed to be at your best on that day. And taking that crescendo uh, to see if we could be at our best on that day, uh, to me, I wanted to make sure our guys knew that that's what it was all about. You know, once that game ended, the postseason is the postseason. You know, whether it was a one-game bowl schedule or a Final Four or next year, Final 12, that's irrelevant. Uh, we've got to be at our best uh, on the last regular season day of the year, and it was always fun trying to point to that. Nine wins against that team up north. A lot of great memories brought to us Buckeye fans. And, Coach, we appreciate your time. Before I let you go, I want to ask you how retirement is going for you. Well, you know, the best part of retirement is that I've had so much opportunity to reconnect with all my former players and coaches. Uh, you, you know, when I spent all those years, 38 years in coaching, you're busy seven days a week. Then I spent 12 years in administration, you're busy seven days a week. And you didn't have a chance to really reconnect and see where you could be helpful and add value and let them know how proud you are of what they're doing now in life. And so it's been so much fun reconnecting and uh, trying to see where, you know, we can continue to, to be positive forces in their lives. And, and uh, so it, it's been busier. I don't know how I had time to work, uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it's been a joy. We'll have more of this week's Ohio Sports Magazine when we continue here on the Ohio News Network. Rise and shine, jabronis. What a show this morning. There's only one place where Buckeye legends lay the smackdown. Morning Juice with Bobby and Beamer. Weekday mornings starting at 6. Give me a juice box, Beyond. The Fan, Ohio Sports Destination. And now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Matt Andrews. Welcome back to this week's Ohio Sports Magazine. Who better to follow up a Jim Trestle talk but our man Tim May, LettermanRow.com, On3.com, works at our flagship in Columbus, chipping in on everything about the Buckeyes, former beat writer for the Columbus Dispatch. He's covered the rivalry for 50 years 
Tim May, what does Jim Trestle mean to this rivalry, Ohio State-Michigan, next week? In a nutshell, Jim Trestle means renewal, man. I mean, uh, the battle rejoined. I mean, 2001, like he said, when he got hired, uh, you know, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't come out and declare that go- they were going to win. He just right. said folks were going to be proud of the, that team, especially when they go to Ann Arbor, you know. And uh, but they did win, and so you know the legend has grown from there. But the bottom line is, you know, what he won uh, nine out of ten, and and basically flipped the rivalry on its ear. Just when uh, you know uh, John Cooper went two ten and one, everybody remembers that, and uh, uh, Jim Trussell changed all of that and emphasizing the game, but not losing sight also of what else mattered, which was winning almost every other game. <laughs> we look forward to next week's matchup. And Tim, I know as we talk about the, for you, the last five decades of covering this game, are there a few things that stand out more than others in terms of your coverage? We're going to get into your career a little bit, but but just in covering the game and traveling up there or being here, what stands out to you about your experiences? Just the intensity, uh, Matt, more in the buildup than, you know, I know the game, you know, the game has an intensity all of its own, but, uh, the, just the intensity of the fans, et cetera, uh, in the buildup to it, you know, and there was a, there was a time back in the nineties when, uh, it was pretty obvious that Michigan fans took it for granted, you know, and even their coaching uh, coaches. I mean, Gary Moeller talking about how that was their big rivalry then was, uh, it turned into Michigan State, and you kind of go, what are you talking about? And this guy was a former captain at Ohio State, you know, and played in the rivalry from that end of it. But it's just the intensity and what it means to the fans, and it only comes once a year. Now, that may change in this playoff era. You know, Mm -hmm. that's what's going to be really interesting to watch. But uh, once a year, and, boy, if you don't win that game, it just sticks with you, you know, for players forever and for fans at least until the next one. Tim, you have a long lineage of your of your life in covering important games in football rivalries growing up in Alabama, then uh, also being in Texas for some time, now here at Ohio State. But where is your passion and love for covering the game, these rivalries, and and how much do you see differences or similarities in, in what these big games mean? Yeah, it's interesting because I, you know, grew up. Uh, my dad took me and my older brother Ben to Alabama Auburn games back in the early '60s, uh, as I like to say. Before he is, before HBO did, I saw Joe Namath play on Two Good Knees, but that's another story. Uh, then I, you know, I was privileged to get to cover the Texas Oklahoma rivalry uh, back in the early '70s of uh, mid '70s before moving up to Ohio, covering for the Lufkin News in Lufkin, Texas, and also saw uh, covered one Texas Texas A and M game. Uh, it's rivalries are different are just different uh, is the best way of putting it because there is blood in the water, so to speak with these, with these kind of games and, but nothing, I mean, it intrigued me from the first time I saw it on a black and white television way back in 1963, I think it was, or 64 uh, Ohio state, Michigan, you know, and uh, watched every one of them from like 60, 68 on on television and moved up here in 76 and saw my first one live. So uh, the intensity uh, of these games is is beyond reproach, meaning you can't really argue that I think I think Ohio State, Michigan has the rawest, seems to be the rawest in terms of nerves going into those games of any of those games. And maybe none more ever in terms of raw emotion, at least going into what we think will be a stellar game this year, right? <laughs> yeah. 
game of the century 2006. Dude, I think that may pale compared to this one. Uh, those were both undefeated. We all know uh, Bo Schimbeckler died on Friday, the day before the game. Are you kidding me? Uh, and then on Saturday, it was a classic. And, uh, you know, came down to basically the last two possessions by each team. I don't know how they pulled it out. But, uh, yeah, and even last year, you know, the, so much was on the line. They both end up making the college football playoff, you know, even though Ohio State lost for the second straight time. But, uh, yeah, this year, man, with everything going on in and around in and around the game and then the actual game itself with uh, with uh, two unbeatens going, going at each other, at least as we uh, record this, it's going to be a monumental in some form or fashion. The great Tim May joining us. More of the Ohio Sports Magazine when we continue here on the Ohio News Network. Betting happens as fast as sports. And now every play is faster than ever before. You're on the edge of your seat until the moment when it's all on the line. Which is why it's important to pause before you play. Sports are fast. Betting shouldn't be. So remember to set limits, know the risks, and pause before you play. To learn more, visit pausebeforeyouplay.org. The ONN Daily Podcast. Get a recap of all the day's news from across the state. ONN affiliate WBNS-TV in Columbus has more. Haley Kirby reporting in downtown Toledo. From the State House. Kevin Landers. ONN Canton. ONN affiliate WKYC-TV in Cleveland explains. In Marietta, Brett Wharf, ONN News. Emma Henderson in Genoa. The ONN Daily Podcast. Listen at onnradio.com or wherever you download your favorite podcast from the Ohio News Network. Ohio has over 920,000 diabetics. If you are a diabetic, take a step in the right direction by having your feet checked routinely by a podiatric physician, the most qualified doctors to care for your feet. Adding a podiatrist to your healthcare team can help you better manage the effects of diabetes on your feet. Ohio Foot and Ankle Medical Association podiatric physicians are located throughout the state. For more information or to find a member of the Ohio Foot and Ankle Medical Association near you, visit associationsadvanceohio.com. Public education matters, and it takes a great team to deliver the great public education every Ohio student deserves. I'm Ohio Education Association President Scott DeMauro, and this American Education Week, we're cheering for the team that keeps our schools safe and welcoming for our students so they can prepare for the future. Parents, community members, and educators are on the same team, putting students first. So don't just be a spectator. Stand up for public education in Ohio. Do you want a job that is flexible, secure, and fun? It also offers excellent pay and is ranked as one of the best jobs in America, too. I'm talking about being a dental hygienist. And all you have to do is complete a two-year program after high school. Visit ODA.org to learn more and to start helping people love their smile. This message is brought to you by the members of the Ohio Dental Association. Are you starting to question your gambling? Or the actions of someone you love? It may be time to talk to someone who understands. Call the Problem Gambling Helpline today and talk to a trained specialist. There's no judgment and no commitment. Plus, it's completely free and confidential. We're here for you. You are not alone. And remember, we all have the power to change with the Problem Gambling Helpline of Ohio. Make the call today. Call the Problem Gambling Helpline of Ohio at 1-800-589-9966. The Fan, Ohio Sports Destination. 
Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Matt Andrews. Welcome back to this week's Ohio Sports Magazine. Now more of our conversation with Tim May. It can build or break your legacy, this Ohio State-Michigan rivalry. You mentioned Coach Tressel. We know Coach Meyer, Coach Cooper's struggles in the rivalry. From a Michigan perspective, do you see the same thing there? Absolutely. Dude, how many coaches did they they go through, you know, until they got to uh, Jim Harbaugh? And then he was sort of like hanging there by a thread, you know. They didn't play in in 2020 uh, during the COVID year when Ohio State advanced, you know, had that limited schedule advanced all the way to the national championship game before getting uh, beat by Alabama. But, uh, you know, who knows what all's going on up there that's been (laughs) revealed over this season was aimed toward trying to get an edge in the game. Uh, but the bottom line is, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, even their favorite son wasn't getting it done until the last two years. So it matters a lot. I mean, look at look at Ryan Day. Mm. I mean, you know, he's what, 55 and 6 or, you know, gonna, could be 56 and 6 going into this game. But uh, the last two losses to Michigan have, have not set well with Ohio State fans for some form or fashion. Sometimes you don't realize, you know, that maybe – you need to take everything in perspective, but uh, but without a doubt, it 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 builds or chips away from uh, coaches' uh, reputations and legacies. That's for sure. I mean this in the most sincere form of flattery. Have you ever thought about writing a book about your time around the game, about your time with the rivalry? I mean, you're kind of like the John U. Bacon of of Ohio State, but Tim, there's got to be something out there more. Have you ever thought of that? Yeah, I've thought of it, but I'm going to tell you something, Matt. When I when I retired from the dispatch after the 2018 season, you know, the, my last game I covered for them was the Rose Bowl. What a way to go out, right? When uh, sure. And Urban Meyer, it was his last game at Ohio State, too. And uh, I'm sitting there by the Pacific writing my last story the day after that game. And I'm going, man, if I ever ne- never have to type again, I'll be the happiest guy <laughs> on the face of the earth. Now, I need to get my buddy Jeff Snook to let me, to let me do a, a ghostwriting uh, thing, you know, let him do the ghostwriting on it and stuff because – He's he's really deep into Ohio State history too, but yes, you know this book has. I mean, this game has thousands of stories as Jack Park is yeah. delineated for people and many others. And uh, yeah, I mean, from from you know Earl Bruce getting fired and winning, you know, on Monday and getting and winning that game on Saturday, uh, way back in 1987, all the way through the the struggles with John Cooper and them seeming to get over the hump and then the hump coming back, you know, uh, and then. Jim Trussell just with his magic touch when it came to the game. And lest we forget, Urban Meyer was undefeated against Michigan. There are reasons for all of those. You're you're exactly right. Maybe I'll get around to doing that. I want to leave you with this, and we can drop the game discussion and just talk about you for a minute. Your your journalism legacy, your love for golf. I know you love motorsports, but where does your journalism come from and how have you grown as a a veteran journalist that a lot of folks here respect, including us. Yeah, I got into it in uh, late 1973. I tried to join the uh, newspaper at, at, at Lufkin High School my senior year, but the late, the uh, the uh, the monitor there, you know, the lady that ran the newspaper said I was too late. <laughs> <laughs> so then, in in in, uh, in junior college in, in Lufkin, Texas, you know, I decided my second year there, I didn't want to be an engineer like my dad. I thought I did, but I didn't. Uh, too much math, but uh, even though I was good at math, 
uh, anyway, I got into it and got offered to be the uh, sports editor of the Lufkin News when I was 19. I was the youngest sports editor of a daily newspaper in the state of Texas. And I got into it, buddy, because I loved football. I didn't get it. I didn't necessarily yeah. get into it because of Watergate, which was going on in and around that time in the, you know, in the early seventies. Uh, but just, you know, my parents, uh, get, had moved to Columbus, uh, in the mid seventies and got me, finally enticed me to move up here when I was 22. Uh, and I decided to go to, you know, cause they wanted me to finish college at, and I decided to go to Ohio state and, uh, started working for the Columbus dispatch immediately as a part-timer and immediately pretty quickly was made a full-timer and just went from there. And uh, because I've always loved, there is no such thing as a bad football game in my book from Pee Wee all the way up to, uh, you know, all the way up through the NFL. And I've been privileged. I got the privilege, was privileged to cover a lot of stuff, man, a lot of stuff at the dispatch and a lot of football, sometimes three football games in a weekend uh, and totally enjoyed every one of them. So uh, uh, it was my love basically for college football that really got me into it you you know as the old saying goes you had to be there in alabama in the early 1960s that was about the only thing alabama had to be proud about was uh was its uh foot college football team uh head coached by bear bryant and uh so that's what really got me into it and i to this day still have a lot of enthusiasm for college football no doubt about it amen you're a treasure and when you can't find him following football maybe he'll be feeding a horse somewhere near your west side of columbus right you're exactly <laughs> correct man thanks three partner is three three horses is three too many matt there you go we appreciate your time tim thanks so much anytime matt Jim Harbaugh, family man, milk drinker, student advocate, Big Ten Coach of the Year, Pro Bowler, nose picker, socially awkward, whiner, cheating ass cheater. In case you needed a reminder, we're your home of the Buckeyes, the fan. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Matt Andrews. Welcome back to the Ohio Sports Magazine. Now let's check in on Cleveland. Eric Reeser joins us from the Ohio News Network. Talking with Tyvis Powell, national champion defensive back at The Ohio State University, former NFL safety. He's a current analyst on the Cleveland Browns Radio Network. You can hear him statewide on ONN affiliate WBNS FM in Columbus. And, of course, see him Saturdays on the Big Ten Network's Big Ten tailgate program. Tyvis, we'll start with the Browns, who got some devastating news earlier in the week. Deshaun Watson will undergo surgery on a broken bone in his throwing shoulder next week. His season's over. What do you make of that news, and do you think Watson can ever be the quarterback that the Browns need him to be? <laughs> wow, that's a lot Loaded there. question, uh, bud. My first initial response to it was, wow, he was playing, so his shoulder was bad the whole time. They told him he was medically cleared, and he wasn't, and he ended up making it worse. Like That's what my initial thoughts was. Obviously, they had the press conference, and they clarified that this was a separate injury than what was happened, uh, you know, he sustained in the Tennessee game. So I was like, okay, cool. I went back, and I seen the play. You know, he ran, he scrambled in the second quarter, lowered the shoulder, took a hit from Patrick Queen. When you look at it, he didn't even react to it in no type of way. But once I found out that he, it was broken at that exact moment, to see him go out there and go 14 of 14 to finish a game off and, and win that game. And then I was in Tom, I think Tom Pelissori came out and said that he was actually willing to get the shot for the rest of the year just so he can go out there and play. So I think that 
to me, shows the sign of a leader, a guy who's very tough, and a guy that really wants to be out there with his team. Um, I, I was devastated for him because of the way he played the last game, just the second half of the last game. I thought it gave Cleveland a ton of hope. Um, this whole city was behind him. Everybody, the, the trade and the contract extension was justifiable and in that exact moment when he beat the Ravens. And I was really looking forward to seeing him continue that, you know, against Pittsburgh and for the rest of this season. So I was devastated for him. Um, but you know what? I'm the, I'm a very optimistic guy. You know, I'm always one of those guys that sees the positive things. And the positive the positive thing about this is it shows that Kevin Stefanski has been a really good coach this year. Although that guy deals with a lot of slack and a lot of people that tells him he should be fired on a daily basis. I think the way he's handled his crises this season with with the injuries, you know, with the Deshaun Watson stuff, I think that to have this team in position at 6 and 3 and still have a the playoffs still right there in grasp shows that he's a tremendous guy. You know, one thing about him is he knows how to handle crises and I don't think I don't expect anything differently. I think I'm optimistic because I think I've seen him go out there with a backup quarterback that he just got off the streets and beat one of the best teams in the NFL in the San Francisco 49ers. So as long as they got Kevin Stefanski and as tight as that group is and that defense continues to play, they have a chance to still do something uh, significant this season. So eight games left to go in the regular season, Tyvis, and that includes Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Browns still 6-3, and three, plenty in front of them. They're going to roll with rookie Dorian Thompson-Robinson against the Steelers. His debut was a very forgettable one against the Ravens earlier in the year. What do you expect from DTR in this game and what can Kevin Stefanski do to make sure that DTR's second act goes better than his first? Well, the first thing, he's already did better this time. He he let him know on Wednesday that he would be the starter. That right there is already step better than what he had to deal with. Listen, the first start to me, I don't really pay attention to. You can't tell a kid at 10.30 that he's going to be the starter and prepare and think that he's going to go out there and be successful. I don't think that was the case. So I think that he had an unfair shake at this first trial out there. Luckily, it was against the, you know, the number one defense or number two defense in the NFL. So it don't get no worse than that. Obviously, Pittsburgh is going to be tough. It's a division game. It's a rivalry game. But I like his chances. You know, he gets a full week to go out there. Kevin Stefanski and him get together and put together a game plan that he's comfortable with calling those plays and being able to run those and execute those plays. I like it. Like I said, I watched I watched Kevin Stefanski do it with P.J. Walker. I don't expect nothing different. I think Dorian Thompson-Robinson is a very talented kid. Obviously, in the preseason, he lit it up. Preseason and the regular season is two totally different things, which he found out against Baltimore. Tyvis, you being a former defensive player in the National Football League at the highest level, what's the ask of the Cleveland Browns defense with a rookie in at quarterback, knowing that there's still plenty to play for uh, from a schedule and from a division standpoint? Well, I think I think this defense is playing really well. I mean, just continue to play at that same level. Don't don't slack off. You actually have to raise your your intensity a little bit more because you know you have a, a young quarterback in there. Now, the thing about a young quarterback is if you get the more reps he gets, the more comfortable he gets. The more comfortable he gets, the more confident he gets. And he needs to get a bunch of confidence. So they need to get a bunch of stops and do everything they can to get the ball back to him, to put the ball in his hands so he can get comfortable and he can get confidence from uh, being in the NFL game. All right, let's move to the college game. About a week left before the game game between Ohio State and Michigan. Likely a top five matchup when we get to it. How 
how big, with everything that's going on around Ohio State, going on around Michigan, how big is Saturday, November 25th going to be both in the history of this great rivalry and then the future of both programs? It's astronomical. I mean, obviously, you don't want to see Ryan Day go on three, you know, these past three years. And, you know, now with the with the scandals that's out there and all the the information that's out there about what the team up north has been doing for the past couple of years you could probably say okay they people could say they cheated the last two years so that's why they want so technically if it comes out that they are guilty of cheating then they'll have two asterisks so it wouldn't even matter and it's justifiable to why they won. But this next Saturday, and there is no excuse. I don't even know. He probably won't even be on the sideline for the game. So Ryan Day has to find a way to win this game. And as far as on their side, you know, it's to show, like, we didn't need no signs. We still, we're just more superior than you guys. If they go out there and they win this game next week, then there's no stone left on tone. They just it's a new day in the rivalry and they just are the the more superior team. So I think it is definitely a legacy game. So it affects the future of this game. I think it's it's a whole lot at stake, what is what I'm trying to say. Buckeye MVP, former NFLer, Tyvis Powell, my guest. Tyvis, thank you so much for the time, bud. Thank you. Go Bucks. Go Browns. Thanks, Eric. Up next, we head south here in the Buckeye State. Paul Keels checks in on Cincinnati right here on the Ohio News Network. Join us for Gambling Things, Fantasy Sports, Gambling Things, and most importantly, Gambling Things, Hollywood Casinos on the Money, Sunday morning at 9. Presented by Ohio for Responsible Gambling. The Fan. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Matt Andrews. Welcome back to this week's Ohio Sports Magazine. Locked on Bengals. Typically this week, we give the guys a couple of uh, experiences during the year to have weeks off, with us at least. So the voice of the Buckeyes, Paul Keels, who contributes obviously weekly here with Locked on Bengals to talk about our fandom. We discussed my fandom a few weeks ago involving the Bengals. Paul, you were born with Bengal blood, right? Well, I was. I was, uh, and this is giving away age, kind of like you talked about in the segment we did, but I was 10 years old when my father came home from work one day, Matt, and said, hey, we're getting a pro football team here in Cincinnati. That was in 1967. Uh, they were going to start the following year, and, you know, as a dumb kid, I, well, what are they going to be called? The Bengals. I was too dumb to know that Bengals was another name for a tiger. But, uh, you know, being able to see my father's excitement and other older male relatives, their excitement about it, uh, you know, being able to get experience with them in the old AFL and playing at Nippert Stadium at the University of Cincinnati while they were waiting for Riverfront to be born. Um, and, and you know, some of the early names like, you know, Bob Johnson, the very first draft choice, John Stofa, the very first player signed before the draft, uh, before the expansion or the college draft. John Stofa was their quarterback their first year along with Dewey Warren. And then becoming familiar with guys like, uh, you know, Paul Robinson, uh, Bob Trumpy, Bruce Coslett, uh, the messenger guard system they had with Howard Fest and Pat Matson, which was how, how Paul Brown had plays come in. So it was uh, very early on learning a lot about pro football, but learning about the Bengals in their early years. And Paul, as you fast forward a little bit, and we'll get to your time professionally with the Bengals, but what were the two Super Bowls in the 80s like as a fan and I guess how that city embraced what was going on with the Bengals. Well, here's the crazy thing, Matt. Both years that the Bengals went to their first two Super Bowls, I was neither living or working in Cincinnati. 
I was working in Detroit, the first one they came to, and uh, lived near Pontiac, lived near where the Silverdome was. And uh, so as a media member, I had a chance to cover that Super Bowl and interview some of the players on Media Day, but was not living in Cincinnati. So, But there was excitement about them being in the Super Bowl for the first ever time, disappointment in seeing them lose. And then when they went uh, after the 88 season in uh, January of 89, I was working for United Press International in Washington, D.C., and had been assigned all year to go to the Super Bowl in Miami, regardless of who was going to be there. Um, ironically, it turned out to be the Bengals, but also ended up having to do some duty covering the riots that were going on in Overtown and Liberty City, being in a car riding around with a still photographer with uh, you know things being thrown at us and uh, seeing some of the security and the police out there arresting people. The first time I ever saw zip cuff ties in my life. Um, so it was kind of crazy to, to experience both of those Super Bowl seasons and both of those Super Bowls in person. But not living in Cincinnati at the time. Paul, take us inside then. We're very fortunate in different circumstances, but to be able to work professionally for your childhood team that you would follow or idolize and and be able to be around that organization, how did that all come about and how long were you there? Well, it was very fortunate. The radio station I was working at at the time had the broadcast rights for the Bengals and their announcer had left. And uh, I was doing games for the University of Cincinnati for both football and basketball, and it just was kind of a an easy may fit. The only issue that ever occurred was uh, Mike Brown, and previous to that, his father, Paul Brown, they wanted their announcers identified solely with the Bengals. And, you know, it took Mike Brown some convincing to say, I was still going to do basketball for the University of Cincinnati. But it was, it was in 1996. It was Dave Shula's last season as head coach. He did not survive the entire season. Uh, but Dave Shula couldn't have been any nicer to me. Uh, Jeff Blake had really kind of started to come into his own as a quarterback. Carl Pickens uh, and Darnay Scott were their top receivers. Uh, Steve Tovar, former Ohio State Buckeye, was one of the starters on defense. Uh, it was a season that saw him go 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, Coaching change in the middle of the season. Bruce Kostler took over. And then at the end of that season, the radio station lost the rights. And uh, I lost my a uh, chance to continue to be the Bengals announcer it was just for one season in 1996. But you were a part of the TV broadcast preseason for a number of years. And I will just tell you, there was a young broadcaster trying to hone his crap. <laughs> I listened to those Bengals games in the early 90s. You told me to remind you about this I, a few weeks ago when we did my segment but tell us about the Dave Shula story in terms of the departure with the Bengals. Well, it was kind of one of those things that, you know, Dave Shula, unfortunately, his tenure never really succeeded like everybody had hoped. And you can imagine the scrutiny that he was under being the son of a Hall of Fame head football coach. Well, his last game as a head coach, uh, the Bengals were playing in San Francisco against the 49ers. They took a 21 nothing lead in the first half. And San Francisco managed to come back and win that game. I can still see Steve Young limping into the end zone, scoring the game-winning touchdown. And uh, we were fortunate as radio announcers, Dave Lapham and myself, to to ride in first class on those flights behind Mike Brown and the head coach and Dave Shula that entire flight back. Normally he'd be watching film, but he was sitting there reading a book and uh, dozing. So I think he kind of knew what was coming, and, and the coaching change happened the next day. Finally, Paul, a lot of credit to Mike Brown for the evolution of the general manager slash owner in the franchise, and then his family now, some of the Blackburns overseeing things more so. But between that and then the arrival of Joe Burrow and the fandom now, well, what have you noticed? Well, you know, the criticism that Mike Brown always faced was that people didn't like the fact that he ran the team like his father had, and he was not his father. Um, but when he hired Marvin Lewis, he allowed Marvin Lewis to have some more clout that previous coaches had not had. Uh, getting Duke Tobin in to oversee some of the scouting. And, and now Mike's uh, daughter and her son, or her husband, excuse me, and her daughter's now being involved in the management. So through all of this time, Mike Brown has changed how some of it 
was operated uh, under his father and years under him. And I think that's, and obviously the Joe Burrow draft pick, uh, a home run for that football team. Enjoyed this. Maybe we'll do it again down the road for another team we followed. Enjoyed the previous one with you, and thank you for doing this. Locked on Bengals with the voice of the Buckeyes, Paul Keels. What a more of the Ohio Sports Magazine when we continue here on the Ohio News Network. The ONN Daily Podcast. Get a recap of all the day's news from across the state. Our one affiliate WBNS-TV in Columbus has more. Haley Kirby reporting in downtown Toledo. From the State House. Kevin Landers. ONN Canton. ONN affiliate WKYC-TV in Cleveland explains. In Marietta, Brett Wharf, ONN News. Emma Henderson in Genoa. The ONN Daily Podcast. Listen at onnradio.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. From, from the, the Ohio, Ohio News Network. Ohio has over 920,000 diabetics. If you are a diabetic, take a step in the right direction by having your feet checked routinely by a podiatric physician, the most qualified doctors to care for your feet. Adding a podiatrist to your healthcare team can help you better manage the effects of diabetes on your feet. Ohio Foot and Ankle Medical Association podiatric physicians are located throughout the state. For more information or to find a member of the Ohio Foot and Ankle Medical Association near you, visit associationsadvanceohio.com. Public education matters, and it takes a great team to deliver the great public education every Ohio student deserves. I'm Ohio Education Association President Scott DeMara, and this American Education Week, we're cheering for the team that keeps our schools safe and welcoming for our students so they can prepare for the future. Parents, community members, and educators are on the same team, putting students first. So don't just be a spectator. Stand up for public education in Ohio. Do you want a job that is flexible, secure, and fun? It also offers excellent pay and is ranked as one of the best jobs in America, too. I'm talking about being a dental hygienist. And all you have to do is complete a two-year program after high school. Visit ODA.org to learn more and to start helping people love their smile. This message is brought to you by the members of the Ohio Dental Association. Are you starting to question your gambling? Or the actions of someone you love? It may be time to talk to someone who understands. Call the Problem Gambling Helpline today and talk to a trained specialist. There's no judgment and no commitment. Plus, it's completely free and confidential. We're here for you. You are not alone. And remember, we all have the power to change. With the Problem Gambling Helpline of Ohio. Make the call today. Call the Problem Gambling Helpline of Ohio at 1-800-589-9966. Do you or any of your family members, neighbors, or friends own a property that you just want to be done with it? If so, call TurboTrack Realty today for an all-cash offer at 614-470-2000, 614-470-2000. Would it be convenient for you to take what you wanted and leave the rest behind? Great, I'll buy it. Call 614-470-2000. That's 614-470-2000. The Fan. The Fan. Ohio Sports Destination. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Matt Andrews. Welcome back to the Ohio Sports Magazine. It's the ultimate Cleveland sports show. And let's check in with our producer, Colin Berenger. Thanks, Matt. This week on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show, the Browns announced that quarterback Deshaun Watson will miss the rest of the season with a shoulder injury, and the guys debate the decisions of the Browns' front office to not upgrade the backup quarterback position behind Watson in the preseason and the middle of the season. 
There's another reason why the sky hasn't fallen. You mentioned our biggest win of the season, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I mean, Baltimore is right there with it. Was San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Who was our quarterback that day? Philip Walker, Walker Jr. And how did he play? Garbage. Yeah, and who won the game? The, the Browns. Browns. So we've done it against the NFL's elite. But you, but you, Why can't we do it against the rest of the schedule? It, it, it's the statistics. You, if you want to, if you do a dangerous job, yes, you may come home safe one day, but there's always a chance, day after day after day after day, that you're going to have something happen because. But of the it can safe. be done. We saw it. But we, I'm playing the statistics. What the way I want to look at this thing is, it, it, when, when you talk about leadership, leadership is about making decisions and having guardrails. The Cleveland Browns did not have any guardrails at the quarterback position. No argument for beca- me. Because they thought that they could get rid of guys. And The quarterback position is different from an offensive guard. Great. You have to have a blueprint. You have to have a, a way of doing things. Josh Dobbs is valuable. The reason he's valuable is he went from starting from Arizona to starting in Minnesota because other teams had value and they understood the value of what he brought to the table. The Browns didn't understand That's that. a fact. So now you have P.J. Walker and DTR. Now, I choose, I agree. DTR, I'm going to start over him over P.J. Walker. But here's the, pro- the problem. I now have to go look at 85 other guys in that locker room that, that is playing their tails off, that playing hurt. And their season is laying on the shoulders of a rookie. 63. Yeah. 63. That land on the shoulder of rookie. Let me ask you this question. <coughs> he went back to college. Last week, <laughs> did. Did the, would, the, would the Browns have won that game with DTR against Baltimore? Uh, very think? unlikely. No. Okay. DTR very Baltimore. Would the they have won it with DJ Walker? No. You think they would have won it with Josh Dobbs? There's a chance. There's a better chance. I think Dobbs is a little better than those guys, but we still need to be realistic. Wait, wait let's quantify. <laughs> and they made a mistake let's, trading let's Josh Dobbs. Though. Don't get me wrong. But, but let's quantify a little better. The, qua- the the combined quarterback numbers yeah. of the two quarterbacks on the Browns roster, one touchdown, eight interceptions. Josh Dobbs has thrown for two different teams in two different offenses with two coordinators and a different set of wide receivers, 11 touchdowns, five interceptions. The judgment that was made by the Cleveland Browns after training camp was over that DTR was a qualified backup and they could move on from Josh Dobbs is coming back to bite them. Especially because they didn't, you know, listen, every team with a high-paid quarterback has a, let me just finish, has has a low-paid backup, without exception. There's no team with a highly-paid quarterback that has a high-paid backup. So I understand them letting Jacoby Brissett walk because you're not paying... He would have cost more. You're not paying $8 million. Exactly. But Joshua Dobbs was only making $2 million. Right. There are plenty of backups on good teams with a $2 million backup. I, I'm not asking them to have an $8 million backup, but a $2 million backup was reasonable at the time. I don't think it was done for money. It clearly wasn't. Well, There's very little difference between he and DTR. At the time, none of us thought anything of it. But that's not our job. Our job is not to be the general manager right. of the football team. And they clearly erred. And well, that I is don't... an insurance policy. The backup quarterback is an that's insurance right. policy. So if you buy a Maserati, and you drive it off the lot without insurance, and a semi-truck comes and T-bones you, that's on you. That's your loss. But I actually have a bigger beef with them. My bigger beef is not even trading Josh Dobbs. I agree. It's that they didn't address it at the deadline 
once Watson wasn't Because then agree. they knew what the they issue knew, was. Exactly. And they, they knew. knew that there was a problem. Yes. To catch the full breakdown, just search the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show on YouTube, subscribe to their page, and enjoy daily content covering all things Cleveland sports. We'll be back to wrap up this week's Ohio Sports Magazine when we continue on the Ohio News Network. Your favorite website has come to life. <laughs> no, 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 not that website. The 11 Warriors Radio Hour, all Buckeyes all the time. Sponsored by Atlas Butler Plumbing Services. Tuesday night eight on the fan. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Matt Andrews. That'll put a wrap on this week's Ohio Sports Magazine. Our thanks again to my guests, Jim Tressel and Tim May, as well as our Locked On contributions for this week. Now for Paul Keels, Eric Reeser, and Colin Berenger, I'm Matt Andrews. We'll have another show for you next week here on the Ohio News Network. Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. WBNSFM, 